The battle is the Lord's. Doesn't mean that he does all the fighting, but it means we do it his way. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. His method, his strategies. Praise God forevermore. Well, just as we go to the word today, um, I'm going to be teaching on this subject, or I'm beginning this series. I don't know how long it's going to be, I don't, but we'll go, we'll see. Victory over depression. And today we're going to talk about defeating depression. We're just going to have an overview on the subject, defeating depression. Amen? Let's stand, let's pray, let us open our hearts, let's believe for the anointing of God that breaks every yoke, removes the burdens, set the captives free, open up our ears, and causes us to hear as they learn. This is not the ear that you really hear with from the Spirit of God. This is the ear, this is where you hear God. Not here, but here. Amen? If you hear God out here, it means God who is, God is a spirit, that's why you hear him here. And the truth is, for you to hear him here, He's going to have to step into the natural realm. And the Bible says that his voice thunders. If he step into the natural realm, man, I think you much prefer to hear him here. <laughs> Amen? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you now for your grace, the anointing that teaches us all things. And we believe your purpose is accomplished by this message today. We thank you, Lord, for divine utterance in Jesus' name. And thank you that every lie of the enemy is exposed Every hindrance to your people from receiving the truth is removed and your will is done in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Praise God forevermore. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. He is awesome. Hallelujah. And he's got good news for us. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, and he was healing all that were oppressed of the devil. They were oppressed of the devil. The devil is the one who is behind any kind of oppression or depression or fear or any other such thing. He is the author of it. But Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And by that anointing and by that power from the Holy Ghost, he went about doing the will of God, doing good, healing, and bringing deliverance to all that were oppressed of the devil. He never said that some particular person deserved to keep the devil and keep their oppression. He went about healing all. God is a good God, and he wants his people free. Amen? And the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same today. So let our hearts be established, not with, the, not, not with the doctrines of men, not with some strange, diver doctrine, but let our hearts be established with grace. It is a faith that it might be by grace. 
It is not because of our deserving, but it's because of what Jesus has done that victory is available to every single human being. The question is, how do we get it? Now, let us understand that depression is real. Oppression is real. Suicide is real. Just the sickness and disease is real. And it's not only in the world, but it is in the body of Christ. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that we are not to be ignorant concerning the tricks, the schemes, and the devices of Satan. But rather we are to expose them, we are to paralyze them, and we are to set the captives free. Proverbs 6.31 says, if the thief is caught, he must restore sevenfold. Say restore. The person that is afflicted, the person that is oppressed, the person that is depressed, the person that is, that is having this, these emotional turmoils and, and heaviness that is dragging them down, they need to be restored to what God had envisioned for them to start with. Amen? God says, I know the plan that I have for you. It's a good plan. It's a good future. It's a future with hope. It's a future with joy. It's a future with strength. I wish above all else that you might prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospered. The Bible says that Jesus, he heals the brokenhearted. But the enemy is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But when he is caught, we are to be restored. But the thief must be caught. He's got to be exposed. But you see, not only must he be exposed, but let me, let, let, let me point this out to you just briefly. In Isaiah 42, um, let me just go to verse 22. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. Robbed and spoiled. The person is oppressed and depressed and weighed down. They are being robbed. They are being spoiled, but by the enemy. And all of them, they're snared in holes and they're and, and they are hid in prison houses. It's a prison that they're in. But Jesus and the anointing is supposed to set the captives what? Free. Say free. free. They are for a prey. And there is none that delivered. For a spoil. And none that says restore. God says here are the people. They're in this, they're in this place of captivity and bondage and, and oppression and everything else. But there is no one that says Restore. So somebody has got to say restore. Not only must the, must the enemy be caught, but also to, we must also declare restore. We must also believe and declare and decree, not beg and plead, but we are to command and decree restoration. Say restoration. restoration. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Restoration to what? Amen? Colossians chapter 1. Hallelujah. And verse 20. Talking about Jesus and his sacrifice. Remember he said it's finished. Verse 20. Having made peace. Through the blood of his cross. By him 
to reconcile all unto himself. Whether they be things in earth or whether they be things in heaven. To reconcile all to himself. Peace. He died. He shed his blood. He went to hell. He went through all of that punishment. What for? So as to purchase peace and so that we could be reconciled or restored to God's original intent. Reconciled, set at one again. To what? To how it would have been if no fall had taken place. Amen? And so this is what we want to look at today. We want to look at getting to that place as if the fall had never been. As if there was never, so that we can get to be in that place where we are restored and we are free from these bondages from the enemy. So let's have an overview. Because we're not going to get into details today, but in the weeks to come we will. But let's have a, just an overview of, of, of this defeat of depression. Amen? Let's, where do we begin? Let's begin here. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 36, say, I believe the word. Can I go, can I go out there and say something very strong but clear at the same time? Anytime a believer chooses to not believe the word and does not believe the word, if you don't believe the truth of the word of God, then you believe something else. Does that make sense? But if you believe something else that is not what God says, then that something else that you're believing is not the word of God, and God is not the God of that something else. And you're taking something else and putting it in the place where God ought to be. So to not believe God and to believe something else is a form of idolatry. Because if I decide, you know what? Okay, I hear about all this healing stuff, but... I believe that it, you know, it's not always God's will to heal. Yeah, I know that Jesus went and he healed them all, and I heard all of that, but I don't believe it's God's will to heal. At least not everybody all the time. I don't believe that. Well, you've just created a God other than the Lord Jesus Christ that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've just come up with another God, a God that doesn't heal all the time, and that's not the God of the Bible. And the mere fact that you have creating another God, that other God in itself creates is a form of idolatry. And so unbelief, in a way, steps you into a place of idolatry. Amen? And I need to say that strongly because of what, coming, what comes later. Amen? All right. So the Word of God says in John chapter 8, verse 36, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Say, I believe. I believe, I believe the Word. This comes up, so I'll, I'll give it to you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, you don't need to turn to it. Paul says, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which worketh effectually also in you that believe. In other words, the word of God will not work effectively in you if you don't believe. Do you get that? Amen? So you've got to believe. Say, I believe. I believe. So the word of God says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It is free as free could ever be. Free. Totally, completely free. That's a fact. That's what Jesus said. 
And it's backed up. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 57, it more or less says, you already have the victory. That person that is oppressed and depressed, that is under the weather, so to speak, and I'm not putting people down. This stuff is real. You know, people are going through hard places. But the Word of God teaches that they, have, they already have the victory. They may not know it, but they already have the victory. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. How? To our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? God gives us the victory by virtue of what Jesus has done. What has Jesus done? He has shed his blood. He died on the cross. He was raised up from the dead. He is seated at the Father's right hand. What Jesus has done is his sacrifice, is it not? So it says then, thanks be to God who has given us the victory, who gives us the victory by virtue of what Jesus has done. Jesus believed that so much himself that he said in John chapter 19, 19 and verse 30, when he was on the cross after he had taken the cup, and he said, it is what? He said, it's finished. It's done. Everything has been reconciled to God's original intent. Now, understand this. And I'm just stirring you up. You, the person that is under that, they got to believe to get out from there. Because yes, whoever is born of God overcometh. You are victorious. You already have the victory. But this is the victory that overcomes the world. Your faith, believing that. So it's to pull that down and make it your experience. And without faith, there's a promise being left of entering into the rest. But they come short of it. Without faith, the Bible says the gospel preached this truth that you already got it. You've already had the victory. Didn't profit them. Not be mixed with faith. So part of my assignment is to, is to stir up by the preaching of the word for the word of God to have the kind of penetration in the heart through all of the clouds, so to speak, to produce within you faith that I've got the victory. Say, I got the victory. You see, if the sacrifice of Christ that Jesus said is finished, that Colossians 1.20 says he has reconciled everything and purchased peace through his blood, setting everything at one again, if the sacrifice of Christ, what Jesus did, if it does not fix everything, every ailment that came into the human race because of Adam, Adam's disobedience and fall, if the sacrifice of Christ doesn't fix every damage, every ailment, everything that came to plague the human race because of Adam's fall. If Jesus' sacrifice didn't accomplish that, then it would mean that what the devil accomplished in the first Adam is greater than what God accomplished in the second Adam, which is Christ. And you know that cannot be so. Amen? You know that that cannot be so. Everything that the devil did in the first Adam, Jesus came and he put an end to it. That's why Colossians 1 says that he made peace through the blood of his cross in order to reconcile all things unto himself. By his blood, by the blood of the cross, and by the redemptive work of the sacrifice, Jesus has obtained peace. What is that peace? Is it just shalom? Is it just nothing broken and nothing missing? It includes that. But in actual fact, what it includes is everything, everything reconciled to God's original intent. Everything set at one again. Say set at one again. 
So that is what new covenant peace is made of, of is about. That is what when it says the God of peace sanctify you, set you apart, holy in your whole spirit, soul, and body. It's talking about that God who has already reconciled everything unto himself by the sacrifice of his son. When it says the God of peace shall bruise Satan underneath your feet shortly, what is it talking about? That God, by the virtue of the sacrifice of his son, that has reconciled everything to his original intent, shall bruise Satan underneath your feet shortly. Your bruising of the enemy... Yes, it is the power and authority in the name of Jesus. Yes, it is the blood. But it also is because the enemy has been bruised. It is also because everything has been reconciled. Say, so I, I got peace. Not the way the world gives, the but the way God gives. You see, the reason why the issue of, and again, let me just keep stirring up this issue of faith, this issue of believing. There's a reason why it says in, in, in um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What's that talking about? It says don't be anxious about anything. When we're talking about oppression and depression, we're going to talk about all kinds of, of, of other mental stuff that, that the enemy takes advantage, bipolar and, 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 and anxiety disorder and a number of other things. But God says be anxious for nothing. Why? Because you see, anxiety has confidence in what the enemy has done and what the enemy is doing. And the same way faith will connect you to the finished work of Christ, and faith will connect you to, to God and the kingdom of God and the power of God. Fear will also connect you to the kingdom of, of darkness. And anxiety is an expression of that fear. So when we operate in anxiety, instead of moving towards a place where there's going to be peace and wholeness and victory, we are moving into a place of cooperation with the enemy. So God says, don't be anxious. But trust him. Stay hooked up with God in everything by prayer. Stay hooked up with God. And the peace of God, everything reconciled to his original intent, will rise up like a garrison of soldiers and it will guard your heart and your mind and your thinking. And it will come and infiltrate your emotion so you're not underneath that weight of heaviness. You see, at the end of the day, the deliverance and the healing and the wholeness it's just as real in the mental arena as it is in the physical arena. It is just as real and it is just as, as dependent on the reality of attend unto my word. Incline your ear unto my saying. Be occupied with my word. Let my word have its penetrating power to your soul and your spirit and the joints and the marrow. Stay in the word. Let the word take over your thinking. Don't be carnally minded. That leads to death. But be spiritually minded so that that will lead to life and peace. It's the same thing. It's the same healing where that word becomes life and health to what? All of your flesh. Proverbs chapter 4, 20 to 22. Health to all of your flesh. Oh, but we think, oh, all of my flesh means my organs, my lungs, my liver, my, 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 my bloodstream, my, 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 my nervous system. All of your flesh means all that there is about you. It includes anything in the soul arena. Are you with me? What is that? The word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, blessed be the name of the Lord. So this issue of being reconciled by his shed blood. 
Him obtaining this peace is putting you in a place as just as if sin has never been. Have you ever heard justification? What's justification? Just as if sin has never been. Amen? That's what Jesus did. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the enemy. Matthew 17, verse 11 basically says that Jesus came to do what? To restore all things. Say restore. restore. Amen. That's why he said it's finished. Hebrews 10, verse 12 and 13, it says this man, this man Jesus, after he had offered that one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down. Why did he sit down? Because it was finished. <laughs> he sat down. And from hence, expecting his enemies to be made his pursuit. Because the God of all peace shall bruise Satan underneath our feet shortly. Hallelujah. Amen. So in your spirit, in, in the realm of the spirit, it's already done. You already have the victory. Reconciliation and peace and all of that has been purchased and paid for by the sacrifice of Christ. But not only that, when you got born again, God deposited all of that victory into your spirit. God deposited all of that freedom, all of that liberty into your spirit. And that is why it says whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. That is why the Bible says when God gave you Jesus, he also gave you what? All things, Romans 8.32. All of it, all of the victory that Jesus accomplished, all of this victory and freedom from oppression and depression and spirit of suicide and fear, all of that victory you already have in your spirit. That's why it says in Ephesians 1 verse 3 that you are blessed with what? Just a couple of spiritual blessings. Most spiritual, no, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, in heavenly places, in Christ, in that realm where you live, in your, where you live. In fact, let me fast forward a little bit. If you can learn, if you and I can learn to live, you live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. If we can learn to operate in that realm wherein we are blessed with every spiritual blessing and keep ourselves in Christ, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 18, that the evil one toucheth us not. Can we dare to believe that? You see, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a faith proposition. Not something we got to do, but something we got to receive based on what's already done. It is a faith that it might be by grace. That a promise might be true to all the seed. Romans chapter 4 verse 16. We are saved, delivered, made whole, made free from every work of the enemy. Every oppression, every depression. We are saved and delivered by grace, true faith. Not of works as any man should boast. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. But verse 9 says... Don't let your heart be established with the traditions of men and strange doctrines and, and idolatrous thinking and stuff. No, let your heart be established with grace, not with meats. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It is righteousness, oneness with God. It is peace, everything reconciled to his original intent. And it is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And receive 
The joy is it. It says in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. We rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, salvation, deliverance for, of your soul. The issue of oppression and depression is a work of the enemy in the realm of the soul, not in your spirit. Your spirit is free. Your spirit has liberty. Your spirit is blessed with every spiritual blessing. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, According as his divine power has given unto you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Amen? To the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby has been given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might partake of the divine nature, the very nature and the essence of the being of God. We are righteous, one with him. Yes. We are not supposed to be under any kind of oppression. It happens. But we aren't to stay there. We got to get out from underneath it. We got to cast it off. We got to break its power and bring others into the liberty of the sons of God. But we can't be compromising and pattering it around and, 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 and get locked up into a place of unbelief when we are operating in the traditions of men and not in the power of God. Paul says, I came and I brought these truths to you. And the reason why I brought it, I didn't come with enticing words with man's wisdom. I didn't come with all of this and that. No, but I came and I give you, I give you the word, I give you the truth for this reason, so that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men with what men can come up with, but in the power of God. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whatsoever is born of God overcome in the world. First John 5, 4. What does that mean? It means that you've got total freedom from oppression, from depression. And from its offspring. Suicide never travels alone. Depression always comes with it. Amen? Elijah. Elijah said, God, kill me. First, finish up, first Kings chapter 19. He was tired. He was emotionally drained. He was in fear. What's her name? Jezebel said, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be like all those prophets you killed. <laughs> Remember that? And I mean, the dude begin to run. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then he, and I mean, he had these conversations. He said, God, kill me. Take me out of here. Depression always goes with it. Job, same thing. Right? I wish I was never born. <laughs> Jeremiah, same thing. I think it could be Jeremiah chapter 20. I'm not sure about that address. Same thing. Right? <laughs> Jonah. <laughs> I'm going to stay here till I die. <laughs> Amen. And these are men of God. And I'm not mocking them, but I'm, I'm making a point. This oppression, this depression, and their, their, their twin sister, suicide, the troubles that comes right along if you stay in a certain place. All of these things, we're not denying their existence, but we're denying their right to rule over us. 
You see, God has given us sight. God has given us hearing. God has given us feelings. God has given us five physical senses so that we can enjoy things around us, the beauty and this and that and all of that. But it does not mean that those senses are to dominate you. There comes a time when your senses are going against what the Word of God says, and you've got to decide, I'm spiritually minded. Amen? Because if you're going to stay carnally minded and sense rule, then that is going to lead to what? Death. But if you be spiritually minded, it's life and peace. So what I'm saying, in the same way your senses aren't supposed to dominate you, there are things out there, these sickness and disease exist, but they're not supposed to dominate you at all. Amen? God has made that provision. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I want you to see, I, 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 I don't want to belittle this stuff either. People have diagnosed with manic depression and with bipolar and, and autism. You say that might not be mental, but hey, that is also defeated, is it not? Anxiety disorder. But we've got total freedom, total victory in our spirits. That's why Hebrews 12, verse 23. Say, I believe. I believe. I believe. Hebrews 12, 23 says, the spirits of just men made perfect. Say perfect. Say my spirit. It's perfect. It's whole. Everything reconciled to God's original intent. Full of peace. Full of joy. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's my reality in my spirit. Ephesians 4, 24 says that put on a new man, that new spirit man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. After God in oneness with God. With, after God in right standing, no condemnation, no insecurity, no inferiority, no guilt, no shame. After God in righteousness, having the same authority as his son Jesus. Having rights and privileges because we are children of God and we are citizens of heaven. And holiness. Blessed be the name of So in your spirit, understand, you've got all the victory ever that you could ever need. Every child of God has it. No matter what his experience might be, he has it in his spirit. Question is, can you draw it out from your spirit and bring it out into the soul realm and into your body? Amen? Because you've got to draw it out. You see, um, John 8, 36, that says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, because you got total victory. But it also says in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In other words, then, you've got total freedom in your spirit. But for you to experience that, it's going to take the application of truth. Amen? The Bible says in Titus 1, verse 1, the last part of that verse, that the acknowledgement of truth is after godliness. What does that mean? That when you acknowledge and embrace and, be, and, and get a hold of truth, thank you, and you get a hold of truth, what happens? It is after God that it will produce the God kind of life. And the God kind of life is not oppressed. The God kind of life is that which is called in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, partakers of his divine nature. Isn't that awesome? All right. Hallelujah. So there's a liberty that we have in Christ. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, stand fast in that liberty, whereby Christ has made us free, and don't be entangled with the yokes of bondage. And that's what we need. We need to get those disentanglements. We need to draw all that life within our spirit and bring it out in our soul. 
And the Bible tells us, and that bringing it out is the process of faith. According to, to Philemon verse 6, it says this is how it works. This is how you can draw it out. This is how you can take the reality and the truth and the freedom in your spirit and bring it to the outside. Philemon 6 says that the sharing or the communication or the effectiveness of your faith, that your faith becomes effective and it works when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. When you acknowledge, I am free. When you acknowledge, I am blessed. When you acknowledge that the same anointing that, and the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in me. When you acknowledge that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When you acknowledge that there is an anointing that abides within my spirit and that anointing breaks every yoke and it removes every burden. When you acknowledge the truth, then your faith works. But you see, what happened instead of people acknowledging the truth, they're talking about what they have. They're talking about their experience. They're talking about what they feel. They're talking from the sense realm. That's called carnal. Romans 8 verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death. To be ruled by the senses is death. We have to walk by faith, not by sight. This is the victory that overcometh even our faith. 1 John 5 4. Overcome it what? Overcomes to give you the victory that is already yours. Whoever is born of God overcometh. Amen? So, what has to happen? Philippians puts it this way. It says in Philippians 2 verse 12, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, your spirit is full of salvation. It's full of deliverance. It's full of healing. It is full of prosperity. It is full of every spiritual blessing. It is full of all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But it says, work it out. Pull it out with fear and trembling. Amen? Believing. It's going to be about your believing. And your thinking. To work out that freedom, this is where it begins. It begins with believing right. Thinking right. Reprogramming your thinking to be according to the truth of what is finished. According to the word of God. Turn to me in Hebrews chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 3. Reprogramming your thinking and your believing to line up with the mind of Christ, to line up with the word of God, to line up with the truth, to line up with what is finished, to line up with what the sacrifices accomplished, to line up with the truth on the reality that you are righteous, to line up with the reality of who you really are and what's already done. All right, Hebrews chapter 3, for the sake of time, let's just jump in the middle of it. All right, let's jump to the straight to verse 19. Say believing. All right, I'm saying this is where it all starts. It says, 12 verse 18, To whom did God swear that they should not enter his rest? To them that believe not. In other words, God says, there is a rest for the people of God. There is a rest for my children. Jesus has purchased it. There is this place of freedom and liberty. But God says, I swear, 
that they will not enter that place of rest that Jesus went to prepare for us if they believe not. If they do not believe. Amen? This is the truth. Jesus, and it's not like God wasn't trying to punish us. He says, this is how it works. You cannot enter into that if you don't believe. Amen? It goes on to say, let us therefore fear, lest a promise be left us to enter into that rest, we should come short of it by unbelief. Because you see, the gospel that declares this freedom and liberty exists, it was preached to them as well as unto us. But that preaching and that gospel and, and what even what you're hearing today, it didn't profit them. Because they didn't mix what they were hearing with faith. What I'm saying today is wonderful. It is the good news. But it will not profit you if you don't put some faith and mix it mix with it. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say, I receive. So the Bible says our mind must be renewed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4.23 says that you need the whole spirit of your mind renewed. And as I said before, why is this stuff? I mean, think about it. God says, hey, because of unbelief, you're not going to enter into this. And I believe God says that with tears. Some of the tears that Jesus will shed, that, that will be shed. In, in the book of Revelation, when he will wipe away all the tears, some of those tears are his own tears. The tears that he shed when he, when, when he had to turn his back on someone because they have to go to hell because they rejected him. The Bible says he takes no pleasure in men's death and people going to hell. It, he weeps. He cries. He weeps when he sees his children are in torment. But he can't reach them. He can't help them. Because they've made a word of non-effect by their traditions. And he marveled at their unbelief. And he could dare do no mighty work. And he was grieved. It's not because he's sentencing us and saying, No, you don't believe, you're not going to enter into my rest. No, he was saying it, this is how it is. You eat that tree from the knowledge of good and evil. You'll be, you, you enter into that separation from me. Are you with me? This is how it is. <coughs> so, let us fear, lest a promise be left us of entering in his rest, and he should come short because of it, through unbelief, because of not mixing it with faith. Amen? This issue of unbelief is a serious one. Because when you're not believing God, you're believing something or someone else that is not God. It might be a God after your own making, and that's called idolatry. Amen? So, it's the issue of our believing. It's the issue of our thinking. As a man thinking in his heart, so is he. Remember the centurion? The centurion whose servant was, was ill and so on and so forth. And he said, speak the word only, and my servant will be made well. Jesus said in, in um, Matthews 8, 13, As you have believed, be it done unto you, according to your believing. Romans 10, verse 10 says, With the heart man believes unto Onto whatever it is he's believing. So, how are you supposed to believe? How should we believe? Well, I think you already know the answer to that. Don't you? You need to believe according to the word of God. You need to believe according to this finish. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13 says, We have the same spirit of faith. 
According as it is written, I believe. According as it is written, I believe. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, talking about Abraham. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a part of many nations before him who be believed. What did he believe? He believed what was as it is written. I've made you a part of many nations. So you believe according as it is written. Luke chapter 1, verse 45. Remember the story? Mary? Remember how Mary conceived? Remember that, don't you? Luke, Luke 1, 45. Let's, let's just have a quick peek at this. This is when I think when Mary showed up at um, Elizabeth's house. And in verse 44, it says, Lo, and as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the berry leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believes. Believes what? That there would be a fulfillment of those things that were spoken. And now we can twist this in a couple of ways, but look at it this way. Blessed are those who believe. Believe what? That there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken of the Lord. That's the word of God. Do you believe there's going to be a fulfillment of what he has said? Amen? Now I will do a new thing. New thing now. Well, it's not totally new because it's already done. All the works of God were done from the foundation of the world. Man, I'm telling you, man, God has a good track record. Amen. This is nothing that we say, oh, this is wishful thinking. No, this is wishful thinking. It is based on something solid that is done, that is finished, that is established by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and backed up by the throne of God. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. So... What do, how do we believe? We believe according as it is written. Okay. All right. Let me just, let us just quickly examine a few. You, you, the answer is already there, but let me just, this is still an overview. But let me just throw some scriptures out there. Um, I, I, I'm put a, a, a scriptural basis to our answer, the answer to these problems, to these issues. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says now, say now. now. Amen. Now, the God of hope. The God of hope fills you. Okay. Now, the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abandon hope to the power of the Holy Ghost. The God of hope the God of hope, the God who has a dream and who has a vision for what he has designed you for, has a hope for who he has made you, what he has in his mind, the dream, what he has called you to, the God of that fills you. And I see here, he fills you with all joy and Everything reconciled to his original intent. I see here is God, and I see his hope, and I see I see like this flood, these rivers just bursting, and they're just 
coming towards you. And these rivers, they're filled with peace. They're filled with joy. And it's coming and it's coming and it's coming towards you. But it says there's a joy and peace in believing. So here is this, 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 this current of peace and, 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 and joy that is coming towards you. However, it has to come through this pipe. Amen? And if that pipe is shut off, it's not going to get through to you. If the top is turned off, it's not going to get through to you. But it's flowing. He fills you with all joy. And the God of all fills you. But you have got that, that top here is your believing. Did you get that? The God of hope fills you with joy and peace in believing. And if you do, then praise God is going to get to you. And not only that, but you can even go further. You can now abound and overflow with that hope that God has. By adding the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? The power, say the power of the Holy Ghost. That praying in tongues. That waiting on the Lord. So that you could be renewed in strength and so on. Amen? That's just a little scripture of position. Just your believing and the power of the Holy Ghost. And you got it made. And that believing and that power of the Holy Ghost is based on what? It's based on the blood. It's based on what God has already accomplished in Christ. It's based on the sacrifice. The blood... And the word, which is where your believing comes from, and the spirit, they agree, they harmonize in one. First Peter chapter, first John chapter five, verse eight. Revelation twelve, verse eleven. Now you know the scripture. But we have overcome him by what? The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives even unto death. The blood, that's the that's the sacrifice. Remember? We've overcome because of that sacrifice. It's the sacrifice that has provided all of the victory. By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb. The sacrifice. Remember, when Jesus hung up on the cross, Galatians 3 verse 13 says, He became a curse. That what? We might be redeemed from the curse. Of the law. Whether it be insomnia. I don't know where that comes from. But whether it be insomnia. Whether it be anxiety disorder. Whether it be bipolar. Whether it be something that were. Whatever it might be. It's a curse. Amen. And he took that curse. That we might be redeemed from the curse of oppression and depression. And that the blessing. Might come upon the Gentiles. The blood has paid the price. We overcome by the blood and by the word of our testimony. Our word, our testimony, our what we say that agrees with what the blood says. Our voice that agrees with what is already finished. That's the word in our mouth. And we love not our lives even unto the death. We love not our lives even unto the death. What is that? Hey, that is the reality of who you are. Because don't forget Galatians 2.20 says, you were what? Crucified with Christ. And it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lived in you. And the life you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. So the reality of who you are, the truth of who you really are, and especially as a result that you have been crucified with him, 
and you take a hold of this new life, and you see, that's what the Holy Spirit is here for. Jesus, the Holy Spirit will take all the victory that Jesus has accomplished, and he'll reveal it unto you. He'll make it real to you. That's what John 16, 13 talks about. Amen? So, we can see even in Revelation 12, 11, the blood of the Lamb, the Word, agreeing with what, the, what has been accomplished, and adding the power of the Holy Ghost to reveal who you are, claim the, your, your true identity, declare it, and walk it out. Amen? Because if you abide in your true identity, you'll be abiding in Him. And 1 John 5, 18 says, in that place, the evil one touch you not. Now, I want to show you this. Turn with me to um, Proverbs 26. This is very important here. Okay. Proverbs 26. And verse 2 says, mm -hmm, okay. Okay, Proverbs 26, verse 2. The last part of that verse. The curse causeless shall not come. The curse, if it doesn't have a, have a cause, if a curse doesn't have an open door, it can't get in. Are you with me? All right? The curse, if it does not have an open door, cannot get in. You've been redeemed from the curse. And unless there's an open door, it can't get in. Hold that thought. I'm going to come back to that thought. But now in Luke chapter 11, the devil is a thief. The devil is an oppressor. Luke chapter 11 verse 22 says, That when a stronger than he shall come and overcome him, he taketh away from him all the armor wherein he had trusted and divided his spoil. So here is the devil has come into somebody's life through some open door and brings that curse of oppression and depression and, and fear and torment and even push it to the point of a spirit of suicide, etc., etc., he comes through some open door and he brings those things into their life. Now, we might say, all right, but we have authority. Why don't we just bind the devil, kick him out? Okay, that's good. But it also says here in Luke 11, not only should you bind a strong man, but you should also take away the very thing that he was trusting in. Sometimes he's trusting in people's ignorance. But sometimes, in this case, he is trusting in that open door that he got. Amen? So we must bind him and cast him out. But we must also shut the door. Say, shut the door. Okay. You see, here is what happened. That's why Jesus says, heal the brokenhearted. Now, we're going to expand on this in the weeks to come. But there are things that happen in people's lives that creates that door. That brokenness. There's broken areas in people's lives. It could have come because of trauma. Trauma that could have been raped. Trauma that could have been in some violent situation. Trauma that could come from the fact that there's a hurt that comes from betrayal. It could come from some kind of an abusive environment that they were in. It could come from something in their childhood. It could, have, it could be a brokenness that came from, from disappointment. That came from the fact that they were abandoned. It could come from rejection. It could come from divorce. You know, it's interesting if you go and you can just Google it. Even from a secular standpoint. And you look at the statistics where suicide is concerned. It is actually higher among people that are single. And it is also higher among people that are divorced. Why is that? 
What? Because, they, because in their lives there could be some brokenness. Sometimes it's just a matter of, 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 of loneliness overwhelming them. Whatever the case might be. Stress. Failure. Physical, physical pain. People that are, have, that are living in pain constantly. There are many, many things. Many of these, you see the devil takes advantage of whatever opening he's got. He looks to see who he can devour. Amen? And the one that is not established in righteousness, oneness with him, has an opening. According to Isaiah 54, verse 14, which says in righteousness they're going to be established and they're going to be far from oppression because they shall not fear. That means that if they're not established in righteousness, they're not established in their oneness that they have with God in Christ, they're not established in their authority and their rights and their privileges, they're not established in the right standing, and they're not free from condemnation and insecurity and guilt and fear, but guilt, condemnation, fear, insecurity, uh, shame, and all these, those things cause them to not be established in righteousness, and they're now vulnerable. Are you with me? Similarly, as it says in 1 John 4, 18, when the love of God is not perfected in one's life, there is torment. And wherever there is torment, the love of God is not made perfect. They feel a sense of rejection. They're not secure in the love of God. Or many of those things create what? Brokenness. And the enemy, it creates an open door, will now come in and try to attach his spirit of oppression, his spirit of depression, and his Spirit of suicide if he could. Because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? But thank God, there is healing and there is deliverance. There is an anointing. But I am saying that there is also the need to find the open door and shut it. Because the curse can't come without it. We're going to teach that in, in a couple of weeks to come. But at the end of the day, here is what has to happen. This is an overview. Where is the victory? The victory is in your spirit. We have to walk in the spirit. We got to live out of our spirit. We cannot live out of our soul. We cannot live because this is how I feel. I'm hurting. This is how I feel. And because I feel this way, I'm going to treat you this way. And I'm going to do this way. And I'm going to stay underneath this blanket. And that, that, that. I'm going to keep this. You can, you, your feelings cannot direct you. If you live from your feelings, it's carnal. The Bible said you shall die. Not necessarily physical death, it could include that, but you will have the oppression, you will have the torment, you will have all these other things. You cannot, you gotta live out of your spirit. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 says, Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Reckon that this is how it is. I'm raised up together with Christ. Reckon that it is the blood has been shed, and I'm, a, I'm qualified to partake of all of his divine nature and all of his inheritance. I have done my reckoning, and according to my reckoning, my sins and transgressions, he will remember no more. They have been wiped out. The former things, I forget those things which are behind. Those don't, my, my past and my history has no voice, no authority in my life. I reckon it that way. I'm free from guilt. I'm free from shame. How can I not be when there is no sin? It hasn't been covered. It's been remitted. And when there is remission of these, there is no more offering for sin. I reckon myself to be dead indeed. And the Bible says, through the Spirit, Romans 8 verse 13, you can mortify the deeds of the flesh. 
And the Spirit of the Lord will lead you in the way in which you should go. He will lead you in the way to mortify certain things. Amen? Hallelujah. And there might be a sanctification process. And we're going to talk about some of that. Hallelujah. Now let me just kind of wrap this up because I can just, there's some thoughts out there. What about, well, what about if the person, what about if this is caused by a chemical imbalance? Well, the devil is a devil. He seeks whom he may devour. And in the same way, he can put sickness and disease and cancer. God is not putting cancer in anybody. He doesn't have any. Amen? I'm telling you the truth. God is not putting fear in anybody either. He doesn't have any. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Because he don't have that stuff. So where is that cancer coming from? Where is that sickness? Where is that common call coming from? It's coming from the devil. So if he can put that on you, he can also come and mess with the chemistry in your body so that yes, there might be a chemical imbalance. But then that is why Romans 8 verse 10 said your spirit is life because of righteousness. Your spirit is pregnant with divine life. And the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, Romans 8 verse 11, can take that life and that healing from in your spirit and release it and distribute it throughout your body and bring that chemical imbalance into balance. Amen. Amen. We're not denying these things exist, but we say there is a better way. There is a way that, that, that there's a way in God to fix these things. But somebody got to shout, restore. Somebody got to do something. You can't just sit and hope and wish that it can just go away. And this time go by and because you may have a title here or a title here or responsibility, that don't solve it. The devil don't care about the titles. He said, but what about medication for depression? Well, if you break your arm and you need to put on a cast, put it on. But after a while, get it off. Amen? If you need to take pain medication, you know, or, or some kind of medication in order to stay alive and cope, then at least stay alive. But let's understand this. And I don't want people with medication to feel any sense of condemnation. But let's understand this. Medication is not God's best. Medication, quite often, especially in this well of oppression and depression, is masking the problem. Yes. Right? It, it, it's, it's even making you not brain dead, but it's, it's masking the problem. It does not solve the problem. Amen. Amen? And again, I don't want anybody to get under condemnation. But understand, that's what Paul was, you see, medication is the wisdom of men. But there is the power of God. There is a power of God that can remove us from trusting in the wisdom of men, but leaning on the power of God. Amen? The power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing that breaks every yoke, that removes every burden. The name which is above every name, that at, every, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. The authority of the believer. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. There is power in God. Now, I understand some of them people aren't there. And so they may need to medicate. They may need to put on a cast. They may need to do this or to do that. But let's not misunderstand. Let's understand. Let's understand the mercy God that might allow some of that. But that's not the answer. That doesn't solve the problem. 
And you certainly shouldn't stay there. But you need to know that deliverance, salvation, wholeness, freedom, liberty is available. And you already have it in your spirit. And begin to cry, restore, and do what it takes to draw that out. And apply the word of God. Attend unto his word. Incline your ear unto his saying. Feed in the word until it becomes life to every part of your being. Because you are the temple of the living God. And he is to be glorified in your body and in your mind. That's what the word of God says. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, at least let's decide this as for now. Say, as for me. As for me. And this house. This house. <laughs> so stand up, stand up, stand up. Let's, let's do some spiritual exercise. Amen. Okay. Say, as for me. And this house. We serve the Lord. As for me. And my house. I belong to God. All of the freedom. All of the liberty. All of the sanity. All of the healing. That Jesus has paid for. It all belongs to me. That he might be glorified. So in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Ghost. And in the authority of the blood. I bind every spirit of oppression. Every spirit of depression. Every spirit of fear. Every spirit of suicide. Go from me. Go. In the name of Jesus. I'm off limits to you. My father loves me. The love of God is perfected in me. It flows into every chamber of my soul. Every part of my being. And it drives out fear. It destroys torment. It destroys oppression. I am being established in oneness with my father. In oneness with Jesus. His life is my life. His mind is my mind. I am established in this oneness. I'm free from condemnation. I'm free from guilt. Everything in the past is behind me. It's chopped off. I live in the now. I live here and now. The old things, they're passed away. Things said by people, circumstances, or any other such thing, they have no authority in my life. The word of God governs me, governs my thinking. I am free. The Son has set me free, and I'm free indeed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Are you free indeed? Yes. What does the word say? I'm free indeed. All right.